0: This is Episode 3, Charlie, of Free as in Freedom. I'm Karen Sandler.
1: And I'm Bradley Kuhn.
0: This is Free as in Freedom.
1: We're back with another talk from the
0: FOSDEM 2013 yep.
1: Policy and Legal Issues, Dev Room, as coordinated by Tom Marble with assistance from us and Richard Fontana.
0: Exactly. And this talk was uh, the one that we have in this episode. I was going to say today, but then we get back into the... Uh, anyway, in this episode, we have a, an episode on trademarks by Pam Chastain.
1: That's correct. A former attorney at Red Hat and now in private I'm practice, ready to tell you uh, pretty much the basics of trademarks. I, I should warn people, if you already kind of know a lot about trademarks, this will probably be a little old hot to you. It's, it's really an introductory talk. But if you really don't know much about trademarks at all, this or, might be useful. if you
0: want to hear, she talks about some of the legal cases. So even if you know the basic principles, you might be interested in hearing about some of the cases.
1: That's true. Towards the end. And the beginning. Oh, I guess. maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay. So anyway, that's the story that you're going to listen to. And uh, I listened to this without slides. uh, I also
0: listened to it without slides. I thought it was fine. I wondered what was on the slides, but not enough to make sure I, I could look at them.
1: And if we can collect the slides from Pam, which we expect we'll be able to, they'll be in the show notes. Yep. Thank you for joining us again in the Legal Issues and Policy Dev Room, and next up is Pamela Chestick.
2: Thank you. Um, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so I'm Pam Chestic, I was formerly at Red Hat, and now I'm in private practice. Uh, I was at Red Hat for, for about four years, and uh, first off, let me say everything I know about copyright and open source I learned from Richard Fontana. I thought I understood it before that until I met Richard. but. Um, but uh, but I do consider myself a bit of an expert on trademark law, and that's, so that's what I'm here to talk about, and um, the special challenges um, uh, of trademarks and open source. So one of the things. Um, so this is what you're here for. If this is not what you came for, then go someplace else. Uh, one of the. Yay! More batteries. We do
3: have to return the ones. There. Okay. <laughs> I
2: don't
3: know. Oh, okay. Stolen. Uh, thank
1: you. Thank you very much. Yeah, the
3: last
2: one. Okay. Great. You- Sorry. Mm-hmm. There you Back up. Yep. Excellent. Um, so, so as I said, I'm a U.S. lawyer, so I necessarily have a U.S. perspective, and for those of you who know anything about trademark law, know that the U.S. has um, a, a pretty expansive view, more expansive than most other countries about trademarks. Um, but, but there is a commonality to trademark law because it's all based on the same premise around the world, which is. You know, we, it's all about a consumer transaction, about um, about consumer behavior. So there's a commonality that you'll find among all the laws. Um, and so also for that reason, I'm trying not to um, sort of identify specifically any one body of law. I'm trying to speak on a fairly global level, but just with, again, with a sort of caveat that I am a U.S. lawyer. Um, so... So I also, so I'm not going to be talking about you know sections of the Lanham Act or sections of the EU directive or anything like that. I, I actually will be to some extent, but but I really want to drill down more to sort of the fundamental level of we as consumers, sort of you know that trademarks are something that are common to all of our human experience. You know, our, our professional life or open source aside, we go into grocery stores and we buy food, and, and trademarks are a fact of our life, which is one of the reasons I like working with them so much. Is is we all have a common experience, a common expectation. And so there is some sort of, sort of, you know, driven from your gut kind of feeling about what's going on with trademarks and what's right and what's not right and what's confusing. So um, what's, what, what is different, maybe, so, so trademark law and copyright law are different and protect different interests. And, and that's a pretty, maybe an obvious thing to say, but I think it's also a really important thing to keep in mind. Um, consume, uh, a copyright really is more sort of a, a bilateral situation where I have a copyright and you may want to use it. There's in the, and when we're talking about trademarks, there's a third player in that, and that's the consumer. And so um, trademark law is designed to protect the consumer. So what's interesting here is um, the consumer doesn't have any standing in a trademark lawsuit or does, doesn't have any standing in a trademark case, um, but it's the consumer that, that we're not. out to protect. And so it's the trademark owner who is put in the role of the protector of the consumer? So speaking for the consumer, even though the consumer isn't there for him to have a voice, but but that's that's what the that's what the measure of infringement is, is. Is a consumer going to be confused? So there's this sort of weird. Well, I always thought like was a weird dynamic of this. It's not just a two-party relationship that we're trying to figure out. There's this there's this influencer of the consumer that is taken into account, and so um, trademark law kind of takes that into. Um, into account in, in coming up with legal doctrine is this, this sort of third player. So one thing that, um, so we'll start with uh, common, I kind of hear commonly, I don't have a trademark. If we're talking about an open source project name, People don't think of that as being a trademark, and and we're gonna start with the premise that it really is a trademark, and we're not gonna, you know, we can argue the fringe and say whether it is or whether it isn't, but for today's purposes, um, we're gonna say that it is a trademark. This is the world of trademarks as I see them, or the world, let me say, the world of, you know, open source project names and trademarks, so maybe we have this kind of big circle that's that's just a project name and it's not serving a trademark function, just like a personal name may not serve a trademark function, then there's this big green circle of trademarks, and, it, it, and in the and in the middle of it, you know, is this kind of small section of registered trademarks. This is a big difference in the U.S. The biggest difference between um, in in how countries treat tra- trademarks is in this green area, is how much protection do they offer to unregistered trademarks. So everybody's kind of similar, you know, on um, everybody protects registered trademarks. That's easy. That's what we all tend to think about as what a trademark is: is one that you've gone to the government and said. You know, record this or grant me a right to use this trademark. Um, but there is this huge body, and this is where most project names would fall. I, I argue into this sort of area of um, the green area, where you haven't, you maybe don't have a trademark registration, but nevertheless, um, we treat this name as a trademark right. Um, and the reason I put a dotted line here is because that's kind of the ambiguous areas. Like, what's, where's the line? What's the difference between a trademark and a name? I'll, we can have that conversation some other time if you want, but it's sort of too complicated for now. But we're gonna, so we're just going to assume that all project names, um, everything that you think of traditionally as a trademark, as well as as project names, are going to be in that trademark bucket. Um, I hear this. This is you know a very common theme. I want everyone to use the name, um, and my response to that is really. Is that really true? And, and I challenge that kind of falling back on sort of what's the difference between a copyright interest and, what's in, and what you protect with copyright, what copyright is for versus what a trademark is for. A trademark is protecting your good name. And so I just saw, I was just watching a list that, um, and maybe there are people in the room who can sort of contribute. Um, I I was just watching a list where there was discussion of when there are malfeasers out there who are doing malicious things with your open source project, how do you stop them? The only tool you have to stop them with is the trademark and so you go after them with you know a cease and desist letter or something like that and we're talking about sort of pretty malicious behavior here. I don't know if anybody, do you have an example you'd like to share or? yes,
4: I think the email you're referring to is one that I wrote. Uh, So (laughs) the problem that uh, lots of open-source projects have had is with scammers setting up websites that are offering downloads um, and the way this, this scam works is the scammer uh, gets a, a deceptive domain name uh, that is, incorporates your project name or sounds like a misspelling of your project name or they use Google AdWords or a similar mechanism to draw in people who are searching for software like yours they direct them to their site and they offer a, uh, a they offer to let the, the uh, searcher download the software. But in order to get the download, they tell the user that they have to give some credit card details in order to verify their identity or possibly to pay the cost of the bandwidth. Uh, the user does that, they check a checkbox agreeing to the terms and conditions, they perform their download. But had they read the terms and conditions, they would discover that in three-point text at the bottom of page 45, there was a clause that said that this was a subscription they're purchasing, not a single download. And their credit card then gets charged every two weeks or every four weeks for a small amount of money until finally they're able to shut down the scammer from uh, leaking money out of their bank account. Because the user agrees in terms of conditions, and because the sites are usually structured in a way that is legally plausible, it's extremely hard to have them shut down quickly, uh, and the the, the the way that we used to do this with uh, open office, and I'm pretty sure Mozilla has done the same thing as well, is <laughs> uh, uh, to, t- to enforce the trademark, to send, to send a trademark cease and desist letter against the company, and then to get them into a legal discussion that you want them to stop their behaviour because they breached your trademark and your good name, and you are often able to shut them down completely on the basis of a trademark infringement. Even though what you have is a tra- is a trademark and not a registered trademark, because they are clearly using your name in, an, in a in a manner intended to deceive, which is the point you're getting. At. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. What about forks of your software that you don't approve of?
5: <laughs> I I own the copyright registered with the USPTO on a name for an open source project. Mm-hmm. And I see that uh, different companies, for specific reasons, are using. Uh, my software, but a version that is outdated with a lot of known works and they use it in their own products And then people start using that and I get all the support questions So so so
2: that's actually my next slide. I think okay.
5: <laughs> um, Other I other
2: yeah, no uh, are there other other questions? I, I, and I did want to say at the beginning please feel free to interrupt and I really would like to have this interactive I've, uh, It's much more fun for me if um, if we have a conversation yeah. <coughs> How should a project be the chain, choosing his name? So uh, he, as, 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 uh, as unwilling as you are to feel pain if you have to change the name. So what happens is you pick a name, um, you go along merrily for a year or two, everything's fine, and then you get a cease and desist letter, and your name, you don't have a defense with someone who's using the name first, <laughs> it's similar enough, and you're going to have to change your name. So. What's your What's your pleasure? <laughs> I always. I mean, my feeling is it's always easier to pick a name that's clear before. But I also, you know, working at Red Hat, I, we did that as part of our service was to clear names, so it was a very low-cost option. Um, if you have to hire a lawyer to do it, then it becomes much
6: more expensive. Yeah. If you're looking for a name that someone else is using, come to us. We're particularly skilled at <laughs> choosing. Yes, yes,
2: yes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> if Angela thinks your name is great, then you could not use it. <laughs> like somebody else.
2: And I do. And I want to say all the good names are taken. No, um, I, I will say. You know, we would we would occasionally get into um, people would work on a theme, and some of the themes have been just mined to death, and you're never going to find a name there. So if you're like, they are like riffing on a concept. And you know constellations, forget it, they're gone. You know, don't try superheroes. Well, the you know DC Comics would be unhappy with that to begin with. You know, there's there's uh, one time um, they were trying to do uh, like a musical composition theme. Those were all like, and and it's awful to go like, I'm really sorry, but I can't approve that one either. <laughs> you know? But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just
4: gonna say one other factor that goes into choosing name.
1: I'm SFLC, and so I deal with this too. Yes, if you pick something, if you
7: trademark, then you will, no
2: longer, you will not be able to stop anybody later on from using it Yeah. it's generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Name selection is a, and, and again, uh, there's only so much you, time. But Could you repeat that comment just for the- I'm sorry. Yeah, the other thing was is that you need to pick a name that you can protect. If you pick a name like a generic, that's a generic word, then you can't stop other people from using it, and so you have no tool. I'm sorry? Windows. Windows, Windows like Windows. Well, if you have a lot of money, then may, it might be possible. <laughs> um, so, um, whoops, backwards. Sorry about that. Um, so, so this comes to your question: Is what what do I have to allow? And this one, I'm going to have to crib on my notes because it's um, because I had to I had to write it down because there's there's a decision. Um, there's one decision on this subject that I'm aware of, and that's worldwide. And it was a decision that came out of Germany. Um, it, the first part of the decision um, was, we'll talk about in a minute, which is um, a referential use of someone else's name and, or, actually I take that back, I take that back. Um, what this, The situation was that there was, it was GPLv2 software that was used on a set-top box called Enigma. I think I have a slide. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right, anyway I found a nice picture that's said Enigma on their website. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so, in this decision, a German decision. So, what happened was the software was on a, was on a set top box. Someone modified the software um, to use, I think, on a different. So, it's a, a GPLv2 software. It's four set top boxes was modified to put on another set top box. Um, so, the court held that the software the software could still be called Enigma as long as the essential function of the original software. Um, was identical, and pre-existing third-party plugins still worked? And also, only so long as um, the user met the conditions of the GPL. So it had to be, uh, and I'm now I'm blanking on the terminology, a fair and honest use. I forget the name under German, the, what the phrase is under EU law. Um, so, so there there was some modification to the software, and the court said that was okay. You can still call it Enigma, even though there was some modification to it, and that was as long. And so it was. Um, is served the, the essential function and pre-existing 30-party third-party plugins still worked now that's that's the eu position on it um the u.s position now again um just to maybe back up a little i think it's very um well settled at this point that the open source licenses themselves do not speak to trademark rights. It's a separate right that has to be analyzed separately. So we're just looking, I'm just looking at all of this under traditional trademark law standards. I'm not, we're we're assuming, that's actually what I wanted, that was the point on this case was they said, you know, GPL doesn't affect the trademark grant, different interests that that the GPL is talking about, that's the copyright. So trademark, we're looking at under, under traditional standard of law. Um, under the U.S., what I look at to, for an analogy is um, the law of of sort of repair. And so, under U.S. law, there are, you can do you can you can do a little bit to sort of modify an object um, as long as it's clear to the end user that you have modified it. And this the case that every the kind of the original case that that it talked about was spark plugs. They were Champion spark plugs. And someone, it was back in the day when you didn't throw out spark plugs, you, you know, cleaned them up and rejiggered them and and made them work again. Um, So that they were, and they were marked as reconditioned. And the court said, and Champion complained and said, that's a trademark infringement. Here are these inferior spark plugs um, that, you know, people think are ours, but, but, you know, they're inferior. And the court said, no, they're marked as, as reconditioned so it's acceptable. The consumer knows what they're getting. Um, so that's that's kind of where so we have in Europe we have a court that says you can you know as long as it suits it still suits the essential function, and under U.S. law we have this sort of you know as long as people are are advised of the difference and are aware of the difference then we are going to allow some modification, um, and still continue to use the trademark and it's been done. It's come up with reconditioned golf balls. I mean it comes up every so often. So it's no no case law other than the German case, there's nothing at all about open source software, no decisions at all about it. But I think, so that's that's the guidance. So I don't know if that kind of gives you a, at least it gives you a frame. I don't know that it answers the question, but it tells you, and, and unfortunately, there's no black and white a, There's no black and white answer. The,
5: the problem I have is that people say, there's a bug in your software. Yeah. They say, but we fixed that three years ago, and they are still using that old, uh, version that is distributed by dozens of other companies, and I want to stop them from using that old
2: version. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if the fact is, is that it's I, so. Your situation is a, a bit unusual because it is your software, but an older version. So that makes it a little more complicated than you know than a true fork is what it sounds like. Are you, uh, you, yeah. So I changed from the
5: LGPL to the AGPL, and uh, companies continue using the LGPL, LGPL version because, hey, it's free. We yeah. don't have to pay. LGPL yeah. isn't open source anymore. They, they don't know anything about open source. But uh, I want to stop people from selling my old version. Yeah. Because that gives me a bad name. Yeah. Because I know there are
2: Yeah, so this is the issue. I think we'll move on. Yeah, because I. we're kind of getting into your specific issue. There was a question. I thought there was a question in the back row, but was I?
8: No? Yeah. The thing that we talk about is only about modifications to a software. Yes. It's not that I can write a completely new software with the same
1: functionality and quality.
2: That's very clearly just falls right in the area of of trademark infringement, where we talk about the similarity of the mark and the similarity of the goods and services, and are they close enough people will be confused. And that's when we're talking about clearing names, that's what we're looking at. I mean, I could, you know. I, I don't clear a name, I may find a proprietary software that's somewhat different. I may find, you know, if I have something that's on the um, operating system level and there's an application level software with the same name, I may say, nah, too close. That's, that's that scenario.
6: Other questions? Yeah. Um, trademarks are divided into categories, is that right? And so you can use a trademark that's already in use in a different category because the idea is that it's dissimilar enough. So, what sort of thing is in the same category as software, apart from software? Um, so, I don't want to go
2: too much into this, but but the brief answer is you compare. It's a similarity of the goods and services, and whether a consumer would think they come from the same source or not. So, and that will depend on so what
6: the. There aren't set categories. It's just about a test of similarity.
2: Um, this is where it gets into country specific. So in the U.S. we ignore their, the goods and services are put into what's called international classes. In the U.S. we completely ignore that. When we are doing analysis, we don't, we don't care what they are at all. Other countries very specifically have like tables and charts that say these two are confusing. So that's, that's very country specific. Thank you.
5: Yeah. Uh, for those of us in the room who are law students, do you happen to know the name of the German case?
2: I actually have a copy of it, um, and I can, if you come yes, up afterwards, I'll Because after, it has a German, it's like in ray S underline. I don't um, know what that I'll means. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <I don't, laughs> I don't, I'm
7: not you familiar with German,
2: how the way German captions work.
7: Uh, what yeah. about the case in which uh, the trademark, uh, the name, represents both, for example, both a protocol and a program. Would you still use the, the trademark protocol respecting the, the protocol? Code could they use? I mean, for example, ICQ or or MSN, MSN or something like that. That you have a protocol that's, for example, a protocol or something like that, and you also have a program that's commercial program that's using that protocol. Uh, what would allow? I mean, you you for example, do a fork. I'm sorry, do a program that uses that protocol to connect to Microsoft networks, something like that. And you go with similar name as the protocol, which in fact is like making Skype, for example. You do a free Skype program yeah. that's used the Skype protocol, but not the Skype uh, program. Could you use something
2: like that? Again, it comes down to it. It really is fairly simple, you know, similarity of the name, similarity of the goods and services. So uh, I tend to avoid. I would I would counsel to avoid things like that because there there is a possibility of confusion in that. But we'd have to get down to the real specifics of it. Um, so, that, so, so what do you have to allow um, is on one end of the spectrum. So sometimes you may wait, you may not want people to use your name, but under trademark doctrine you, they have they are allowed to use it to some extent, um, even for modified software to some extent perhaps. Maybe not in the US, maybe, you know. I, again, I just want to point out the restrictions on the German case. This was also, you know, this was software designed to be used on Um, a set-top box so it was an embedded product so you know I think maybe the analysis will be different if it was just a standalone program but it's the only thing we have so so then what have you shared too much when so here we're back to I want everybody to use my name okay well there is a theory under there is a theory um, that um, that it's possible to share too much and there was just a very recent decision in Greece which found that the Grunepunkt trademark is invalid in Greece. The reason being it was over-licensed. There were too many licenses. Um, and again, I have to refer to my notes to make sure that I get this statement correct. So for the Grunepunkt, um, there were 95,000 licenses and 91% of Western Europe packaging used the mark. And so, um, under EU law, they, they held that this was not a genuine use as a trademark. In other words, what this means, what it means is, is this doesn't signify source anymore. It doesn't mean anything. People just understood this to be, it means it's recyclable. It didn't, it didn't identify, trademark identifies a single source, a sole source. This didn't do that anymore because it became so ubiquitous, so commonplace, that it became meaningless. So it didn't serve its function as a trademark. So this is, I thought that, I, I frankly thought this doctrine was something that was, that I was never gonna see outside of the United States, and lo and behold, a few days ago, de Grunepunkt what, what, suppo-
6: what was it supposed to do? That trademark?
2: Well, I mean, I, I argue, do you know, I mean, do you, is it the question, what is de Grunepunkt? Are you familiar, you're familiar with de Grunepunkt or no. no? Oh, okay. So de Grunepunkt is, um, basically, it's a shakedown. Sorry, I'm an American, that's the way I think of it. <laughs> um, where you would pay a licensing fee in order to put are to put this mark on um, the product and as a result and actually is there someone who knows better than me someone more familiar with it and e- either some amount of money was contributed towards recycling is that what it is some amount of money is contributed to recycling um when you use this mark yeah, yeah
3: it symbolizes um that uh, the recycling of the product or the packaging of the product rather, uh, is insured.
2: So it symbol- right, okay yeah. right did and so um, to repeat that was it symbolizes that the recycling of the product is insured that this product will be um, recycled um, but there is a there was a financial component to that too but but at any rate but it was became so commonplace that it fails it failed to serve its function as a trademark any longer so that's um, under the US law, we have this great doctrine called naked licensing. It's the same idea, which is where um, you grant a license to your trademark, but you don't control how people are using it. Anybody can use it any way they, they want. It becomes meaningless as a source identifier. And that, so it's called a naked license. Um, there's some very bad case law in the United States um, that I find personally it's kind of gone way off the rails. Um, Where they've taken this sort of control concept too literally, and they found it's a case called um, about free cycling, where it was it was a very scary case to me because um, free cycling (coughs) is a sort of a philosophy um, where you just I guess people exchange stuff for free. I don't even know what it is, but there were various chapters set up and they were organized in Yahoo groups. And um, basically, they let anybody use the trademark. Anybody could set up a group and say, hey, I'm a free cycling group. I'm, you know, free cycling San Bernardino. And they would say, great, you're a free cycling group. And there was no more control than that exercise. (coughs) And the court said that that wasn't, um, that that was a naked license, that that there was no free cycle trademark, um, that that trademark was unenforceable. It wasn't serving its function as a trademark. Um, I strongly disagree with the court on that reasoning, but it's there. so, um, so you know what? What can you do about it? I don't know. I don't know the answer. So we, Grun- we have you know we have a couple of data points. We have de Punkt, which said too many licenses. We have a con- concept in the United States of a naked license, which is if you don't control it, um, <coughs> you're not going to have a license. But I also just saw um, in the Enigma decision actually there was there was a comment that. Um, t- again, talking about very widely licensed um, software, and they said, "Well, this is a positive thing. Everybody's familiar with Enigma, so, so it therefore has meaning." And I'm like, "I don't get it. It doesn't. You know, I can't put all of this together." So it's very um, kind of ambiguous what's going on. I mean, I have no idea what to tell people um, about how to how to kind of do this. The things, the, the thing I think about, the thing that bothers me the most about open source, free and open source software. Is, doesn't bother me about the software, it bothers me. The legal interpretation that may happen is. <laughs> is, um, you know, trademark law developed in a system, uh, you know, in a corporate system. It it developed out of first the tradesmen and then you have corporations. And and it doesn't even really, trademark law really doesn't even cover a multinational corporation very well. It does a very poor job kind of of recognizing even sort of a multinational corporation that has many subsidiaries around the world, of sort of dealing with that. And so when you get into an open source environment where you have a very distributed control structure um, you know, the trademark law doesn't, doesn't like those situations. It wants to see you are a company that owns a trademark. And the idea of having um, sort of maybe multiple contributors or, or multiple people who might have a say in the operation of this organization is just not something that trademark law has ever seen. And so I'm really, and when I did see it, this free cycle case, coped with it very, very badly. And so that's, so, so when people, I may, be, you may consider me to be um, sort of overly protective, and, and that's my reason for it, is, is the trademark law just isn't ready for us.
8: We um, are seeing your agenda. Hmm? We are seeing your agenda.
6: Oops. You're trailing my talk, thank
2: you. <laughs> I am, let me get back to, you. oh
6: wait a minute. Click remind me again in five
2: minutes and then you can try it again. Yeah. Actually, I'm trying to get back to my. How do I get. You know, I can't do it. There we go. There. Okay. Oh, I am in present 12. Sorry about that. You can exit and go
1: back in. Yeah. So, do you think that there would be a difference for a project if there is aggregated copyright? Or a, let's say a nonprofit foundation, or even a for-profit yeah. company that's promoting the, the open-source project
7: versus a inbound equals outbound project.
2: Yeah, I think the more I think the more it's much easier to identify who an owner is if there's a copyright ownership that rides with it, right? So it is easier to say, look, there's the owner. I mean, the, the question, the, one of the fundamental questions, this is an area I, I, I write about a lot, is how do you decide who owns a trademark? And um, you know, a lot of it has to do with sort of exercise of control. And so, if you if you can say, look, there's a copyright owner, I think it's easy to say, oh, look, they must be up, up exercising control because they're they you know, if there's um, you know, I don't worry too much about um, about um, Linux because you know there is a very con- a fairly small level of control over who gets to commit. So you know, if there's a lot of committers, then a the lot of say. I mean, just the more distributed it gets, the more concerned I am. That um, that the you know it's just going to be difficult to to say kind of who gets to control that.
8: Um, let's see. But sorry, but y- you said before that it was reasonably widely accepted that the set of rights associated with copyright and trademark trademarks were, were separated. So the, Tom's question kind of conflates the two together yeah. again. So I w- it would have been more. Uh, let's say, relaxed. If your question would have been, "Is it better if there is a single trademark owner?" because you're putting again together the aspect of copyright ownership and a trademark ownership. So, so, what is what? Um,
2: I, that, good point. And, and I was thinking, what I was saying was, um, so in terms of the license itself, the license itself does not speak to a trademark license. It's only a copyright license. It's very, very possible that the trademark and the copyright will not be owned by the same person in an open source environment. Um, figuring out who the trademark owner is is a, incredibly challenging sometimes. And it may there may not be a clear answer under sort of traditional doctrines. So, so the point of the copyright owner is it's easier. It's kind of a, a data point for me that says, oh, wait a minute. Here's somebody who I can see exercising control um, therefore maybe that's the, the that's also the trademark owner, but it isn't necessarily going to be the case. Um.
4: So does only the owner have standing to do anything about
2: trademark? I'm
4: sorry? Does only the owner yes. in that context have standing to do anything?
2: Yes, only if the owner has you, standing. If
4: you pick up maintainership of a project that somebody else started, they're presumably, they named it, they're presumably the person in control, but they're not interested in doing project anymore so you then can't do anything on trade Um,
2: you'd have to make an argument that somehow the ownership of the trademark transferred to the new maintainer and what happens is that these relationships don't aren't done with documentation it just happens and then that becomes very challenging and just from a legal perspective it's much better if you have a piece of paper that says you know is yours now. And that's a true of many, many things, true of houses, you know, it's true, of a lot of things, right? But it, <laughs> but it but it tends to not happen with trademarks a lot, and that is something courts have to spend, they spend a lot of time sorting to sorting out. Um one the, I remember what I said about the naked licensing. Um, so where I was just talking in these cases kind of about the primary goods. And and kind of I've been talking generally here just about the software itself, just the primary goods itself. I don't even want to get near like t shirts and mouse pads and keychains because I have no idea. Because this same standard that said you have to control the quality of the goods, okay, I get that for software, that makes sense to me, but you're going to tell me that I've got to control the quality of a t shirt? I don't know how to make a t shirt, I just send it to the I just, you know, go to Cafe Press and ask them to print my logo on there, like. But that's the U.S. standard of law, which is kind of out of whack. So I'm not even, like, I don't even know what to do with that one, um, because, you know. But it, that's what the law is. Um, want just to add one more complication to this whole thing, which is trademark law only stops confusing uses. Um, and this might, and the, I thought this might have been where your question was coming from. But you can always use a, You can always talk about someone else's product. You can always say, and we have to do that, we have to say that, you know, I'm compatible, that I run on top of. Yeah.
6: So does that mean when I get a, a, a letter from some film company saying, you know, we want to use, uh, you know, we want someone to use Firefox in our film, right? They don't need to ask under trademark law because there's no way that that could confuse someone into using a browser that isn't Firefox and thinking that it's
2: Firefox? You know, the answer to that 10 years ago would have been clearly you don't need permission, but as people have started to ask permission, people start to think you need permission, and consumers start to get confused, and and we know about endorsements in movies. We know that companies pay to have their products placed in movies, (coughs) so the industry has started to blur that line. And I would prefer that that we not. I would prefer it we be nice and clean, and we say no. Of course, you don't need a license because there's no confusion there. But with that, and and it's and it's um, cases come out on both sides of that, uh, and we can that we can talk about that. The ones the one the case the, the law the the lawsuits that are brought are where someone is put in a disparaging light, and they complain about it, and that's that's where you see the litigation is when it's a disparaging use.
5: Related to that question, what's what about the case of the Windows logo compatibility test or things like that? Um, I don't. Yeah, logos. Do you need a certain <laughs> amount of to, to to with a certain amount of conditions
7: to actually explain that law.
2: Yeah, um, because uh, under U.S. law, um, you only c- you you are only allowed to use as little as necessary to convey the information. So, so under US law, I consider it to be a pretty bright line, and this is the way I counsel people, is you don't get to use the logo. Um, because you can say Windows, and that will express it, and, and Microsoft has a licensing program for the logos, and then you have to go in and sign a license in order to be allowed to use the logo. So um, that's... Uh, this again, there, you know, I think there's some discontinuity between what the law says and what we see in practice because we've become so used to seeing little icons, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all of those that we, that now at this point, like, the law would say, oh, no, you have to use the word Twitter. <laughs> and, and I'm like, that's crazy. But, you know, so it's where, it's where the business operates it's kind of differently from the way
5: that the law currently stands. So one thing would be the trademark another different thing would be a logo or an icon.
2: Yes, logo, logo or icon design form probably probably there is no you don't get to use it under this you know th- this theory that's this referential use theory we get to talk about it.
1: it isn't the Windows it's
2: a
3: certification
2: mark, is it? That like you're certifying. Isn't the Microsoft mark? That's a that's one of them, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure the parameters of what else there might be besides just having to sign the license agreement. It might be a self, I don't know. Is there a test suite? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
7: So you could still talk about the
1: certification program and use the certification logo while talking about the certification logo.
2: If if you needed to talk about the logo itself, you could use the logo. (laughs) Other? All right, what what are we going to next? So, these, so, so to distill this all down into basic principles, you can't, you can't exercise full control. You have to there's some degree of modification that you have to permit, but we don't know how much that is. You can't exercise too little, too little control, because then you lose your trademark rights, but we don't know how much that is <laughs> either. Um, and then we have to respect referential uses. We have to respect the right, that other people's right to say that you know, X is compatible or, or so forth, but that doesn't include the logo. So, um Is that the same thing as nomin-
8: uh, nominative, nominative, nominative yeah. yeah. I tend to nominative, not use that yeah.
2: phrase, that is, it's nominative fair use yeah. is the doctrine under US law, that's the name of it. Um, so, sort of that's, where do, you know, where do we, where do we go from here? I, I, and, and this is kind of, you know, the audience participation part of this is, I mean, just like um, the open source uh, it, it, the open source community sort of affected copyright law and the interpretation of copyright law, I think that 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 can happen with trademark law. Um, you know what are the ways to sort of create a system um, that, that because what because what does happen is um, it, you know we're back to consumer confusion and, and of How an industry behaves does affect. If you can go into court into a court and say, "Look, this is the industry understanding of how things work. Um, nobody's confused here. We all understand this." Then there's then then we have the opportunity to kind of shape um, what happens. So, so I think what I would like to see is is sort of consistent behavior. Um, or consistent understanding on what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. What, how much? Um, what is an appropriate way for other people to use your trademark, but not in a way? Um, well, well, let me let me back up a little bit. So, so one of the questions I have is, um, kind of back to the beginning, is how would you not like your trademark to be used? Because my feeling is, is if you, is that there is that desire to not have your trademark used in certain ways, and, and if you. If you exercise that control, <coughs> that's going to be good enough for trademark law so that you don't lose your right to your trademark. So let me let me propose the question to you: Is what what way would you see your project name used that would be harmful or offensive to you? And one example was um, using an older version, you know, an outdated version that was you know that was buggy. What other ways? And we had um, used maliciously for. You know, other companies using them maliciously,
8: and nefariously. I, I will talk about VLC because we have some issue with, uh, with people doing that. But uh, they are bundling VLC with some toolbars and some scams, spyware, and things, and distributing for free on the internet. And this is one of the things we're trying to fight, but <laughs> it can be very hard because yeah. we have millions of users. So it's a way for them to to earn a lot of money.
2: Yeah. So let me ask, if someone, if someone, how far could someone modify your software and you would, and you would be okay with it? And when would you, because I just have to think there's some point where it gets modified when you're like, that's not even the same thing anymore, or that reflects
6: badly, or. At least for us, the difficulty is that it's not about necessarily the level of modification, it's about what you change, right? So a single addition to the list of trusted certificate authorities in Firefox is like, whoa, right? Similarly, removing entire web features, this is Firefox, but it doesn't run WebGL, or this is Firefox, right. right, bad. But on the other hand, there are more extensive changes that you might make that we might easily come to an agreement with you that you could make. You know, for sort of example, if you were an ISP and wanted to do a customized version of Firefox, you might do quite significant changes to the, the interface or perhaps to the default bookmarks or to the Bundling. I mean, we don't do that sort of thing these days so much, primarily because we haven't got time. But you know, those did yeah. happen in the past. So it's it's not about the amount of modification. It's about what you do, and that makes it very hard. So let me private.
2: break this. Let me break this out into two parts. One part is what are you going to say publicly? Sort of essentially post a public license equivalent to say, if you do this, we're we're cool with that, and you can use the name. Versus a negotiated agreement. In a negotiated agreement, you can do anything you want, and you can say, you know, I don't care if. You know, whatever you know, whatever horrible thing you want to call it, Firefox, you're good with that. You actually don't risk the um, you don't risk the validity of your trademark doing that. You risk your brand, you know, the value of your brand when you let. Bad things happen, but you don't risk your trademark from a legal perspective. So, so I'm I'm more in the sort of public license arena. I know Mozilla has is is one of the better ones at sort of saying what it is you're allowed to do and still call it Mozilla. And it's very li- pretty limited, but but there is some, you do you give some latitude. I mean, there's one there's one um, you know one position is you can't change you can't change a single bit and still call it the original project. And I've seen people take that position. Yeah. Well,
8: on this point i think there is a specific issue in t- with trademarks and open source software which is that you might not change the software at all like the source code but you might rebuild the source code in a different setting obtaining a problem which is completely different and has different bugs okay? and I've tried to figure out in the past the answer to the question could trademark law inhibit this kind of, ch- this kind of mere recompilation or not because your name Firefox is the name of uh, of the open source project, I guess for you is the name of the of the software of the source code. Yeah. So I can rebuild in a completely different setting, obtain a completely crappy oh, Firefox. It's the name of the resulting software. The source code so is some other name. So if you have some insights on this question, I, I would well, very and, happy and
2: that's and that's actually, I mean, that's one of the things I wanted to find out was sort of is you know is it fair to say if I take the source code and build it for a different environment, is it fair to still mm-hmm. call it by the same name or not? I mean, poll the audience. How many think that if you just build for a different platform, then you should still be able to use the original name. Um, I'd say more than half on that one.
8: Um, so, But that might have reputation, negative reputation effect on.
2: Well, and that's what I'm saying. It's like the, if we, if as a community, can come together, uh, and not, I'm not saying necessarily agree, but at least to have some commonality on what we think is okay, then we have the opportunity to sort of shape that. I think,
7: I think uh, it's more like the, like I said, it's more like uh, about the functionality than about uh, the changes you, you make. And you can you can rebuild it in a different environment with different libraries with the same API and have totally different functionality. Yeah. Intended or not? I mean, you could you could uh, change the, the certificate authority without modifying a, a source code of the a source uh, line of the, of the source code and maybe modifying it in the in the OpenSSL library or, or something like that. So I mean you you could still use the same source, source code, source code LCDs and provide <coughs> different functionalities? Yeah. So uh, when you have a, because I think this relates to the question I before. When I have a trademark, we mm-hmm. uh, so have a name, what does the name refer to? And it's a big question in this case. I just refer to the source code, to the binary, to the organization project, to the functionalities.
2: It can, be, it can be, uh, you know, all of the above.
6: And it can be different ones at different times, right? Yeah. The Firefox trademark started off as this binary browser, but we are engaging in expanding the meaning of that trademark to cover additional activities that we're doing, such as Firefox OS, right? So the thing that a trademark means in the mind of consumers can change over time, and it can be driven by the organization that owns that trademark in different directions over time.
2: Yeah,
6: I, and, 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 and I mean by the... the forces, you know? And by outside forces.
2: Um, the, what, the situation that always comes to mind for me is Java, because Java has so many different meanings, and Java means a language, and there's no tra- there are no trademark <coughs> rights in, when you're referring to Java as a language, but Java as a virtual machine is, that is a tightly controlled trademark by Oracle, so it, it, it can be, it just depends on what the trademark is and how it's being used, but it can refer to many different things.
8: So is there any doctrine already on this aspect on the recompilation or not, or nothing no. at all? No,
2: we're making it up here. <laughs> it's you guys are yeah. it.
3: <laughs>
2: yes, uh, yes, and, and and to the extent that 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 we that you think that the Enigma decision was wrong or too expansive or allowed too much modification and still be called Enigma. I, I thought that might be overextens- you know, an overexpansion under U.S. law. I would expect, I would have expected them to say you can't use the Enigma trademark. So, so, um, you know, that's why I said, you know, it was kind of an unusual situation that it was an embedded software, and so maybe you can limit it to that. And, and there was some language in the decision that, that maybe allows you to restrict it to its facts, so that it wouldn't, you know, to the extent you don't think it's right, that it wouldn't necessarily bleed into other types of software. But I don't know if there's an opinion on Enigma. <coughs> Enigma, is that right or the legal standard in Enigma, right? <coughs> no. <laughs> I'm not getting many hands on that one. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I was going to ask, in the light of the Enigma decision, do you think it's worthwhile documenting what the essential functionality of your application or your software product is so that you can refer to that later? I mean, Mozilla would, would take its list of uh, it trusted certificates. It would be a
6: long list if you implement all of the
8: essential function of a web browser. I I, I yeah. Would that be worthwhile? Well, if you if you end up writing a trademark policy, you're gonna end up writing what you think is fine for you to be changing what is not. So
2: yeah, and that's that's actually. I mean, I I put together. Um, I don't know what my last slide is. Yeah, model trademark guidelines. Um, which I had kind of started as a project, and it hasn't really come very far. I've, I've, um, but that's kind of one of the reasons I'm here. Is and, and one of the things that I realized as I was doing this is that answer is very unique. I think for um, certainly different layers of the stack, it's going to be it's going to be very unique, and then even you know for project to project. So I think the answer to that particular question, you're right, that's probably going to be embodied at some place in the mo- in the guidelines as Mozilla has done. Um, but I also think it might be unique. But if we can come to sort of some agreement on what that is in a you know in a model trademark guidelines, I think that would be helpful.
6: I don't know where to go. Has we not?
2: Have how about over here? Yeah. Can you. trademark
6: law protect something that's not necessarily directly user visible? Like something is primarily machine-readable uh, a program looks up a cryptography service and yeah. there's a name of that cryptography service that says Microsoft cryptography service or Mozilla cryptography service. Can you go replace? I have the same yeah. question, so I might ask it at the same time. Uh, say the trademark of a, a, a say the send mail, say they have a trademark on send mail company name. It's also the name of their product. When you invoke send mail from the script, you put send mail if some other mailer program wants to have a send mail link that says actually call my program, is creating that a trademark infringement or is it nominative use? Because it's actually referring to something completely different by the same name, but then again it's an interoperability issue. So that's yeah. something that's related to
2: there's, a, there's an There's another doctrine called functionality, um, which says to the extent that you that I have no choice but to do this, then I get to do it. So you can't use a trademark as a lock. On something, to the extent you, it turns into a lock, then people have to be able to use it to unlock the to unlock the the, the lock. And in, in the in the case that I'm the case that I get that from is um, was a, a game controller, uh, Sega, Nintendo. Nintendo no, I think it was Sega because they were using the letter string.
7: It was Nintendo. who was shooting Sega over the use of the name Nintendo. There are
2: two cases. Two all cases. Right. We're okay. Then. All right. Well, we're, well, we're <laughs> all right. <laughs> But uh, but I have the doc- I have the theory right right is is to the extent that you try to lock it by using a trademark you can't enforce your trademark against that.
6: But and and that in the sendmail case suppose you, you make a malicious program called sendmail but it's only it's not something someone would ever type You'd say it's only called by a script I mean it, I guess my question has
8: to do more with machine visible versus. I,
2: I think that in that situation I'm I'm, I'm I think that you're probably going to be. Less successful on a trademark law theory, and more successful on other types of legal theories. Which you know doesn't mean you wouldn't necessarily bring it, but um, you it may not. So almost
8: suge- suggesting that Sendmail's command line API is
1: a is an API in the sense of the EU interoperability.
8: A command line API
6: is very much an API. I mean, I, I, would agree. I, I I think it's very hard to argue that it's not. It's a set of parameters by which you control the program. It's an API. Right, much more so than a GUI. Do we have one more question? Let's, let's
1: take two more. One in the back here. And then two more. OK. okay one in, uh, I
2: got two in the back. Yeah,
5: in the I, corner uh, there. This is related to the same question. So, so uh, many years ago, I, I don't know if there was ever a lawsuit, but but in Finland we had SSH, the company who originally you know, created SSH. And, and they wanted, on trademark grounds, ban uh, the open association project from producing a, a binary with the same name. And uh, just pointing it out because this at least is something you wouldn't most of the time use from a script. It's something people actually type as a name.
2: But it was also used as a marketing name. It was also visible yeah, as a marketing a, it name. It a
5: company name and a trademark yeah.
2: company. Yeah that's the, the, yeah, that's the easy case. It's where it's invisible to the users, it, it becomes more challenging. Because the trademark is meant to be, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's part of a commercial transaction, right? So if it's not, that's, that was the whole role of a trademark is it helps guide a commercial transaction. But, but, so but I can't remember now why. So, so the end result, of
5: course, is that we do have open SSH and, and uh, the name that you type on the command line is the same. But I don't remember at what point. How, how it got out, there? Maybe they just their own lawyers yeah. said that you don't have a chance, or I
3: don't know why. Yeah, Yeah. Um, We're all really drifting a bit into specificities actually. But uh, I wanted to go back a bit and have more like an overview for me. Um, I think we this just that um that uh, we seem to have a um, um, legislation which was which was formulated and defined with, with all its terms uh, maybe a hundred years ago more. Uh, which was mainly dealing with hardware objects and, and, and trade goods, and, and now we now we try to fit this new phenomenon, so to say, uh, which is software, which is something more floating and more changing and reshaping over time. It's like almost like property compared to hardware. Try to it seems like there's some struggle, and, and you, for example, your profession seems to struggle uh, a lot about um, to fit. Is, is something that's almost like a lie into the static uh, legislation and that seems to be for me that seems to be the reason um, uh, why why it is, it is difficult because I think it is impossible maybe and, and could this be any, any reform which could have uh, any perspective on how this shift in paradigm actually which took place practically before what the legislation could done um, could be resolved
2: So, in the in the U.S., the legislation was passed in 1946. Um, But I actually, um, I there's two philosophies of legislation, and one is you say very little and let everybody, you know, the courts interpret it, and and that's that's the philosophy behind this particular the Lanham Act in the United States. And I actually think that they've done a fairly good job of of sort of because we have this latitude. If you read the Lanham Act, you wouldn't have a clue what trademark law is. It's all court developed over time but, but I, I think it's done a good job of keeping up. Um, I don't think that what is happening in software or open source is any more challenging than is happening in other fields too um, it, it just it, it's the nature of you know nature of the world that we advance and you know so, so to say the, the answer is I know I don't see any um, desire in the United States to amend this the, the legislation everybody seems perfectly happy with it um, and we'll just keep you know bumbling along and figuring it out as we go. That's, I think that's
1: all the time we have. Yep. Huh? Thanks, Pam. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Karen, I have to admit something. I, I hope Pam won't be offended, but I really, the trademark talk you gave, I liked better.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, it just it was a different style of talk
1: that's true like but, mine
0: was more like practical advice for free software developers
1: yeah i, I think i think that's right I and mean, that was more of a kind of a pam's was kind of more of a lawyer's talk mm-hmm. like it was, it was sort of more like a, it was kind of like a class it was kind of like a trade class i felt like it was mm. i felt like a, it was like teaching i'm looking now to find the there was an episode we made an episode out of that talk of yours did we I think we did. You oh, because I gave
0: it. I gave, uh, yeah, it was like either a, it was at one of the Linux Foundation events in San Francisco. I remember that. Yeah, what and
1: year it wasn't was that long
0: ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, you can probably just search for trademarks you now.
1: Yeah, uh, what year was that? Was that was that a long year ago? A long year ago? Was that many years ago?
0: It wasn't many years. Many ago, Many
1: years ago. No, I was
0: already working at GNOME and because I talked about the um, the. Uh, mixed use logo, the mixed logo of the oh, Debian Swirl.
1: years ago. <laughs> <I> <laughs>
0: the, De- the Debian Swirl plus the Gnome Foot. Uh, yeah,
1: you did. I remember that. So did that I, uh, am I, I, I was already Gnome. Maybe, maybe we didn't make that a. a, a and show.
0: Conservancy was already participating in the outreach program for women because I announced that at the beginning. So that of the must talk have been well. 2012,
1: and so yeah. maybe we never. But here's Richard's talk.
0: Ah, we only released Richard's talk from that. Oh no, that's horrible! And so and now we said this. Yeah. He, we were going to do his Fosdem talk instead, but he gave the same talk, and he asked for us to use his LinuxCon talk instead.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: So, but uh, there was an article about my talk on LWN. Oh, Is that's
1: it? what I'm thinking. So we'll link to that article, so you can at least read about okay. Karen's talk. I guess we didn't record it. Maybe I was
0: very practical. I gave a lot. I gave like free software examples that you may know about, kind of thing.
1: Maybe maybe I got I to talk still, about fish
0: pedicures which I always always
1: I remember sense. that too. So um so we'll give a link to that in the show notes and and I think that was a really good talk on trademarks and Thanks. I guess we never broadcast it because maybe I have a, a recording of it on some hard drive somewhere. Yeah. Maybe I did record it. Do you remember do you remember a microphone being in front of you?
0: Yes, it it was definitely there. Oh. Um, but I think there was some problem with some of the recording that day. Anyway.
1: Uh, anyway, so um, so we're sorry if you never heard that talk, but there is an article about it, I think, I think yeah. that's right. Um, let's make sure that's true. Do you, that you remember that for sure?
0: I'm positive because it was sent to me much later uh, and I was taken by surprise. Why were you taken by accepted. surprise? I was, I'm always surprised when anybody wants to talk about the things that I do or say. <laughs> I don't know why that's the case since, you know, I give talks all the time and... You know the things that I work on, I consider to be very important, but.
1: Okay, well, it's uh, but yeah. So I think I think Pam, but but instead of talking about your talk, you'd more, have to
0: look for trademarks and well, my name. I haven't found it. So if you, anyway, if you just search for my name and okay, trademarks, fine, fine. fine. But um, uh, but we're, this makes for great listening.
1: And indeed, it was 2012.
0: Yeah.
1: Indeed, there is an article about it that will. It was link the in collaboration the notes, summit, not LinuxCon. Linux Collaboration Summit, and uh, and so and so Karen Karen gave that talk more on it was more a free software project centric uh, talk I think
0: it's because you know I mean from my perspective that's where you know that's where I was coming from having I mean, worked at SFLC and you know it, been advising different free software projects about their trademark stuff it you know this was that's more of where. Um, Or I found interest. But Pam has a completely different perspective having been inside a big company.
1: Well, yeah, and also coming from Nike and sort of being Mm -hmm. a trademark lawyer for some big, powerful, evil corporation, trademark brand kind of thing. And then learning about the free software stuff after that. And I think probably some of the stuff that she... Uh, she brings up i think we do need to talk about in in some sense because well, i thought it was
0: very interesting to hear her say you know hear her talk about whether or not the way that we use marks is trademarks and logos is changing and whether the law will change flexibly around that because she had it both ways in her talk she said that on the one hand you know the law was very strict about certain things and it's just the way it is and then on the other hand she said she said you know you know, in a lot of ways trademark is in the eye of the beholder. It's about whether consumers will be confused or not. And she also said that the ways, you know, the, the understanding that businesses have about the way logos and trademarks will be used has changed fundamentally so that it's stepped away from the law. And since that, you know, there's that flexibility within the law, I think there's, there's a really strong argument to be made that our, you know, our norms are changing and that ultimately the law will have to reflect that. Well, I, yeah, I, I,
1: I don't know. I, I, I get, I worry when, and we'll hear other talks later in the series where people are saying, oh, well, the, the law's going to change or you're going to have to change and one of them's going to have to happen. and, and That's I, not I what I'm
0: saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is that the whole point of trademark law is all structured around the idea of whether or not consumers will be confused, Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and consumers are more savvy, basically. And
0: and it's not just that consumers are more savvy; it's just the way that we refer to pro- products has changed.
1: Yeah, I mean, she did make that point about the about about Twitter and Facebook being mm-hmm. uh, being completely iconic. It, and, exactly,
0: and and yeah. that you actually to refer to them, you use the picture, you use the logo when you refer to them potentially. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's just sort of an expected thing, and consumers, the public is not going to be confused to think that just because you use the little Twitter logo that you are affiliated with Twitter. Everybody knows that if you put the little Twitter logo, it just means you should click it and go to Twitter.
1: Other microblogging services are available.
0: Yeah, but I mean, but Identica doesn't have this little, you know, doesn't have a little logo that's everywhere. It does, but it's not, it's not the same kind of like, you know, Iconic logo that has established a lot, you know. He- I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't have trademark protection; it surely does from its use. But the way that you see the Twitter mark used is not, you know. There are alternatives to Twitter, but the example of the logo is not translatable to Identica.
1: See, I think Leo Laporte should have enforced his Twit trademark
0: against Twitter when they started. <laughs> you said this many times.
1: I have. I never said this on the Oddcast. Is that true? I don't think so.
0: Okay, you may have said it on. But I think he should have because it would, just would have been was funny. It
1: just would have been funny. Um, uh, yeah. So, I, but I, I think I think that I mean the the, the place where, where it's really helpful to hear from a traditional trademark lawyer who's learned recently about free software like like Pam is. Um, I think I, I think her main question was very useful. Her main question was: free software developers need to think about uses you don't like, and and she had this point that there are uses you don't like, mm-hmm. and I think that's actually true.
0: Yeah, I, I think so I
1: think most free software projects uh, are not the way she was describing. Like we just want them to use the name. That she's right that there are uses they wouldn't like, and if you can define those uses you don't like, your trademarks are, are you can protect them and, and hold the, uphold them.
0: Well, that's like you know every time you put to, I, I mean it's a good idea to come up with a trademark policy because right. when you do I mean my old standard trademark policy which I think you drew from when you made conservancy's trademark policy, but mine always, mine had had different areas for discussion. You know, it had like, how do you feel about this usage and that usage and this other usage?
1: Yeah. That's part of the, like the email that they get sent now.
0: Yeah. So, Um, you know, I, you know, I think you got to bake that into the basic discussion about how you want, you know, what you, how you want to use your mark and uh, what you expect from your trademarks
1: yeah I we don't need to look at it I, I just want to see if um, <laughs> yeah um, so we forked this from somewhere so I don't know where it was forked from sorry From me okay
0: I think so I think that so. yeah,
1: I was I was looking at the the material log
0: so yeah. maybe maybe Tony took it from something he had used before.
1: I don't know. But, we could read all the logs here. We could we could read But I do like, know that would, there our was listeners do you think our listeners would enjoy us reading no. commit logs no, from Oh, not. see this was like a big uh, reorder of the repository there. So who knows where it came from. I'd have mm-hmm. to chase that with follow copies and Let's not Okay, well, I I, I mean, we we could make this a tutorial of how to chase something down in a repository history.
0: I don't think that our listeners would... I think think
1: some of our listeners actually would like that, but not on a trademark show. It's pretty
0: off-topic for us.
1: It's true. So I think uh, think that it's valuable that... uh, This talk, I think, was actually very valuable, um, and I I hope that folks who didn't know very much about trademarks uh, were able to learn something Mm -hmm. about them, because we have gotten requests, uh, even recently... Of folks looking for more basic information uh, on our podcast. and I think I think Pam's talk really serves that well. And sometimes your talk, that the one I like so much, was kind of a more advanced talk for free software development. It's funny about because trademarks. in some
0: ways it was more basic, and in some ways it was more advanced. I think well, it was
1: more advanced because you were talking about projects that had already thought about these questions and, and working through those kinds of trademark issues.
0: Yeah, and just showing examples of what really can go wrong, and how to work through that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, more of a more of a thing. So, so one one of the things that troubled me that Pam said was that she said that having the copyright, hold what well, she said, owner, which I yeah. don't, think, but 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 you, I'll say it the way I would say it: holding the copyrights yeah. as well as the trademark somehow helps your trademark enforceability, and that really disturbed me.
0: I think I don't know that I I I think you could make an argument that if they're centralized holding a copyright, it. Often would correspond to trademark enforceability because you have a central, you know, central control over, you know, like an identifiable source of the software. Do you know what I mean, and I say source just yeah, from the trademark. Exactly, exactly. So I think. Yeah,
1: actually, but let's talk about it. Yeah, she Pam said source multiple times in her talk, and yes. Karen's now using it in the same way Pam did, which which she means origin, yes, not source code.
0: Yes. So I I think she's right, if just in even if it's just in practicality, because if everybody is assigning their copyrights to a single copyright holder it's much easier to assert that that entity also has the mark because there's certain amount of control over the software.
1: But you don't find that... And the use of logos. Dis- you don't find... If, if true, don't you find that disturbing?
0: No, because trademark is like one of those like shades of gray kind of like, you know, types of law. It's about confusion and, you know... I, See, I, I think, just, I yeah. just think if you know a strong agreement amongst a community over what, you know, what to do with the trademark, so like a, a a single trademark policy that everyone assents to, or you know, like whether it's not a, actual assent, but you know, uh, you know, maybe not not written, collected assent in an agreement or anything like that, but even just you know a de facto assent by it, it anything that you can show that is a centralized use of the mark or permission, the kinds of permissions that you would grant with a trademark policy, make it a little bit easier to enforce. Because otherwise you could say, well, you have all these different entities that are using the license. You don't, you didn't register as a certification mark. So, you know.
1: Oh, well, I, what do you mean by red didn't register as a certification mark? So you're
0: not mark? making a certification mark.
1: Oh, is that is that a separate? So, is that like trademark service marks and then there's also a certification, certification mark? Certification
0: marks are a little bit different.
1: Yeah, because Pam didn't talk about those. so Right. To, uh, now that you've, said it, now that you've space, said it, you have to explain it.
0: So it's just a certification mark is like a mark like you might see you know there are marks that can be used by other people with you know if they meet certain um, criteria. So for example, I think OSI's logo is a certification mark.
1: Actually, maybe a better example that our listeners would know is USB. Or cuz that's probably you know, a certification mark.
0: Or like the Cardiac Association approves certain breakfast cereals and things like you know. like it's it's all over the place. There's, you know, and if you see like steel seals of approval and stamps that are certifica- cert, cert, certifying certified, Good sorry. housekeeping seal exactly, of approval. Exactly, exactly. Things like that. They certain and there are criteria in order to And by the way, the good housekeeping seal
1: of approval is bullshit cuz a lot of products <laughs> I bought that say good housekeeping seal of approval are crap products. I have to say, I don't trust those people. They've a bad Well, mind. if
0: they're giving out their mark too much, you know, and they don't have control over the quality, it could be it could be.
1: No, I think it's more that they just so, they give it to the highest bidder.
0: Well, so there's usually, <laughs> there's often a financial component, but there it doesn't have to be. Yeah. So, you know, usually there have to so be So what some you're standards. saying
1: is if, if there's lots and lots of copyright holders and lots of people offering services and support around the software, you're saying that the Sometimes trademark?
0: a certification mark makes a lot more sense because there are strict guidelines for different people to use those marks. So
1: do you think that's what free software projects should get instead of regular trademarks?
0: I don't think so it depends on did you just
1: think of this or you thought about this before no
0: i've thought about this many i actually uh question copyrights uh, creator endorsed mark is a um a sort mark yeah exactly um so it's something I've, I've really thought about in the past but it just depends on how the mark is going to be used and by whom and for what purpose and what you really what you think the likelihood is of confusion and of lawsuits
1: well i i think it's unlikely that Free. Uh, what? What? So. So I, I have some, uh, probably more than many other people in the free software world. Well, maybe a lot of people in the free software world. I've helped free software projects use their trademarks, and people people love to talk about how conservancy does GPL enforcement. We actually do some trademark enforcement as oh, well.
0: and no one does in trademark enforcement yeah, all the
1: time. Yeah. Um. But we do a we do it for like a lot of different projects, and the number one request is. Uh, something to do with people being on Twitter, either saying they're the project or getting the project's name out from under them. Twitter
0: embolic. has has so, criteria that uh, yeah,
1: and you can use the trademark to get, yeah. to get to get to get to end stuff and yeah. change stuff and, and all that. So so, but that's the number one request by far by like but but like that's out classes all the other issues combined. And I would say that combined. trademark
0: work is probably the top the top legal the amount of legal work that I do for Goodom Foundation. Yeah, that you know otherwise I'm mostly doing non legal stuff. Right. I have but, some nonprofit stuff. And-
1: but the, the thing is, is that is that basically uh, community misrepresentation is the biggest thing they want to prevent. And notwithstanding that you can get Twitter to do what you want pretty much with your trademark and, and, and get your Twitter accounts back. Back to Twitter. But my, my point my point is that notwithstanding that, enforcing community representation of people saying I'm from the project when I'm not or saying they are the project when they're not, that's not... Tra- Trademark's not the best at that, in some sense.
0: Well, it depends. It depends. I mean, I think that there are times when um, when trademark is very useful for that. Oh, and it can help,
1: but it's not the it's it's not what it's designed I mean, for. Truthfully, really.
0: usually it's a, it's like you know, like anything else, you implore people to do the right thing, and um, they often do. Mm-hmm. And especially people who are. You know, dabbling in a community, if they make it seem like they're representing the community, they back down very quickly when you tell them, well, actually, what you said here is confusing and it makes it sound like you are speaking on behalf of the whole project, but all these other people disagree with you. They often back down.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, but, uh, yeah, I, it could be true. I, I actually, I'm thinking because I have a situation right now. That and I, I'm what I'm saying is that is
0: that a lot of times when we have these problems to solve, we don't necessarily look at our legal toolbox. We look at our social toolbox instead. Well, but I can't believe I just said that. We look at our social toolbox.
1: Yeah, that was, that was, that was a really toolbox ah. thing to say. Um, but the, the, so so I, I think, I mean, my, my point is that, I, yes, I agree with you, but I mean, this is like, it's kind of like copyleft in some sense. It's, it's the issue of when you have. A when, when you have a community principle you're trying to uphold, having a legal backing to that that will work, and will known to will know will be known to it for, because is the only way to really do it. Because there's the people who argue that. Oh well, I mean, I, I have people who used to be supporters of copyleft, people who used to help me enforce GPL. And now say, oh well, GPL is just a it's just a way to, to get people. It's just a way to get people to just socially do what you want, and they're they're against enforcement now. But I think the only reason it works socially is because the enforcement is always there as a as a secondary means if the social aspects don't work. And so I think trademarks kind of have to be if they can't be used that way. To protect projects, uh, you know, from from the
0: oh, it's just so expensive the, to do so. So I mean, you know, it's just like anything else, it's the same with copyright enforcement.
1: Yeah, but I, th- I mean, I think I think projects. I mean, I think the thing Pam's right about is that projects need need to need to to do some of this, right? <laughs> I mean, they need to care more about how their names used. I, I, that I kind of, I really kind of agree with Pam on that. I was surprised that I mean, I didn't think I would com- agree so much with her, but I kind of agree with her that projects ought to—and and you were saying this somewhat, too, in your talk uh, last year— that projects need to actually try enforce their trademark, and, and not just because that it's a use-it or enforce-it-or-lose-it regime, but because they should be standing up for the name that they yeah. care about inside our well, identity. also,
0: because the whole point of—as I said, the f- basis of trademark law is whether consumers will be confused. Like, you don't want people to be confused about what is coming from you and what isn't, what is from your free software project and your community and what isn't, and that's—I mean, I, and that's, the, that's the, you know, the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and so, and so that actually leads me to another thing that she talked about that kind of troubled me. It, but it's not her fault, it's the, it's the legal fault. And it's the same in copyright law, that, that or at least copyright law with, with, with reference to copyleft, that the party that's harmed doesn't have the cause of action. So the, the consumer that's confused doesn't have a cause of action under trademark law. Just like in copyleft, the user who didn't get the source code generally doesn't have a cause of action under copyright law. The, what, what, what's what's wrong? I mean, our legal system's messed up. That the people harmed don't have the right to, to action under the regimes that are supposed to be protecting them.
0: That's a very interesting point. I hadn't thought about that parallel. That's interesting.
1: Because if you're just saying it's interesting, but you see what I'm saying? I mean, say it is more. Say more. Okay. Say, say, say more about how awesome what I said is. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. no, I just mean I want to hear what your thoughts are just I know, beyond um, interesting. I, I,
0: it's just, I say it's interesting because I'm thinking about it. Because
1: some people say know. things are interesting to say that they're stupid. You know that, right? Well, isn't that interesting, huh. people say. i just making sure you're not doing that.
0: No, but look at that.
1: Yeah, this is. I'm not going to say what this is uh, because it's, uh, it's an issue of ongoing action. But it is a website that's using a lot of logos of free software projects. And we at Conservancy, because some of our logos are mixed in, have determined that they have nothing to do with our projects.
0: What's also interesting is that logo reminds me of your logo.
1: Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that a issue. A lot, in I have not even thought about that issue. Especially
0: since there are... Conservancy yeah. project the reason
1: I, I, mean, I brought this up, I know we, we wow. can't we really can't talk about this because okay. only that one's kind of Gnome related but there's no actual gnome in there I was that's why I wanted to check because I wanted to know if I wanted to get your sort of on the air reaction to, to that but yeah it's I mean it's there the, I mean the point is is uh, I can't I'm sorry that like we can't say what this site is but there there are people there who just like grab free software project logos and sort of throw them around. I mean, this has happened to Conservancy in the past. Even it looks from, great, you know,
0: though. They yeah, did a good job. Yeah.
1: I mean, it sort of made it. It's basically what this, what this entity did is it's, they made a conglomeration logo of their own. In fact,
0: that would be great of for lots your of free logo. Logos.
1: <laughs> yeah, but not, not the yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's basically it's like they took a lot of logos from all different free software projects and put and them brought together. Brought
0: them together, and it actually looks yeah. great. I don't. I'm not convinced it looks great, but. Huh. Um,
1: but it's probably trademark infringement uh, for a lot of these projects. Because <laughs> uh, they don't have anything to do with them and they didn't contact them or didn't, aren't working with them or anything. So.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, I think, pretty confusing depending on how yeah. you look but at that, it.
1: But I mean, that's an interesting thing. And so, and so that's, I, and so, but I mean, back to this, this cause of action issue. So what? so I mean, do, you say it's interesting, but what does that mean?
0: It's interesting but i I don't know i mean i don't know I have to think about it yeah i'm not I'm not that kind of person who just like
1: has a reaction to things yeah and says it. I,
0: well because in this in this in this case, it's sort of like it's sort of like you know evaluating well, what if we lived in an alternate world where you could. Where you you know where those people did have the right were the right holders? I know, yeah, I'm sure I know, there are true. negative consequences to it because you mentioned it. I'm yeah. like going down the road of okay, well, what if I, what if that were the case? What are the bad things that come along with it? And right. I just hey.
1: it. oh, I definitely don't want to do that. I, I'm I cannot stand academics who and and you guys will hear some of this later, um, <laughs> uh, in later episodes that I just can't stand academics who are saying well, well the way it should be this and we should just convince I the people. I cannot wait
0: to have that conversation. Or, but, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but to, to we'll just convince the people in power who absolutely have no reason to listen to us whatsoever uh, unless we have billions of dollars uh, which we don't uh, to to just fix these systems and and make them because wouldn't the systems be great if they work this way right and I'm just uh, I I don't want, I didn't want to take you down that road I just uh, I mainly what I actually wanted to look not forward but backward at how did we end up with systems that that sort of give the wrong well people it's power. exactly
0: what Pam was saying which is that the these systems were not created for free and open source software projects. These systems were created for companies producing products that they sold to the public.
1: Yeah, Pam did say that, that's a good point. But see, in the, inter- the, the, the interesting thing is the trademark law, different than the other legal systems, actually contemplated a little bit who it was protecting, the consumer. Mm-hmm. These other laws don't. I mean, copyright doesn't. Right. Patents Actually, don't. that's
0: true. That's something that's kind of.
1: Actually, patent law originally did. There's a good example in patent law, which is now gone since the since the the so the Patent deform Act that was passed recently. But um, patent law did right. have false marking, and and you had that there was a bounty system where anybody could bring a fa- a, a, a incorrectly marked uh, patented uh, object. Like so, if you if you ever get like a, a great example is when you get those little. Um, those little sweet and low packets. The packets of of yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that was that was a about? great example. That was that was not the example I was thinking of. But, oh, but, oh. but any any anything where you get something a physical thing that has a patent number on it or says patented and has a number. That number has to be a valid patent that's currently active. And if it's not it's false marking and it used to be the case that anybody could bring a false marking case against those companies and it was like a bounty system where they had the public just monitoring this and if somebody in the public noticed oh wait a second this this is falsely marked they could bring it they had they had cause of action to bring a lawsuit which is really cool and now it's gone and that was actually the same solution that larry lessig proposed to solve spam which was that everybody should have a cause of action against spammers Mm -hmm. And then they basically if somebody wanted to bring cause of action against spam they received, they could bring a cause of action and then they would get the reward, uh, the money that the uh, spammer for, for the, you know, the the penalty would go to the individual rather, who brought the suit rather than the government to encourage people to stop spammers. But I mean, this is the... the I mean,
0: you know, I... I, I wish the, the point is I, mean, I wish like GPL enforcement worked that way. Give some, give some rights in some ways to downstream to users by, by giving you the right to request the you know the but source the thing code is you don't just, have the right to enforce. enforce you
1: can't enforce when they say when they say oh I was going to use the f word but uh, and we don't have the marking in our little uh, RSS feed to say I can say that so you
0: can just say f you.
1: so anyway but that's what they say and then there's no cause of action now the only person who's looked into this and he's had limited success uh, not not great success but some success uh, Brandon uh, Brandon or Brendan I'm not sure what, which it is Scott in Australia used consumer fraud law in australia yeah, to argue so to argue that somebody who See, basically really was really interesting mistold, not
0: yeah. like oh that's interesting that's really yeah. interesting
1: well no it was good that he did that and and yep. uh we looked briefly and that that was doable in the us and the consumer fraud laws aren't the same so but i think i i think that we want to look at ways that empower users. I mean, free software is about empowering users. and
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. I and I want to see Trademark
1: you- do that, too. And one of the reasons I've never had issue with Trademark is because of this thing. The reason Trademark I was usually generally comfortable with is like, oh, it's about people not being confused, about people knowing that yeah. when I get Inkscape, it's Inkscape. It
0: is, but at the same time, it's about companies being able to control how what people think about their own products. Right, it's it's about like Coca Cola being certain that um, someone just can't order a Coke and get a Sprite.
1: Do you know the whole story about the five cent Coke? No. Yeah, it's off topic. I'll link to it in the show notes, but I'll tell Karen off the air because it's way off topic. Okay. But it's and it's vaguely related. Well, to trademark. now I want the, It's vaguely related to
0: trademark. I think we actually have come to the end of what we yeah. we should talk about because now I want to end the show so I can hear it.
1: Okay, <laughs> so. Um, Anyway, so that's the story yep. with Trademarks. And I, I appreciate Pam's time. talk. Yeah, I, 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 I think that, I actually, if I can ever dig up that recording of your talk, I think listening to Pam's talk then your talk, like back-to-back, would be great because I think your talk fills in a lot of gaps that Pam didn't get a chance to cover, and you're covering it from a different angle. Well,
0: I maybe mean, I can actually give so, it again on the show once. Sometime. Oh, it could we yeah. could do that
1: I think I think I have that recording somewhere that's oh, what, I, that's even what better. I'm thinking even better. that's what I think might be true okay. so and, and I want to thank Pam for giving that talk because I think I mean this will probably be a show that I point back to if people ask like well, what is Trademark all about yeah. like this is the one we'll probably be pointing them back to so if you're joining us because you wanted to learn about Trademark and this is the first show you listen to welcome, welcome. <laughs> 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 if you got to this far into the show after hearing Pam's talk so, so and I want to thank uh, Pam for giving that talk because now we've got that content that sort of introduces people to Trademark yeah, that we didn't really have great. before Okay. And uh, more FOSDEM talks more to, come. to
0: come? More a to come. More heated debate, I think.
1: Well, that's a couple episodes away.
0: But. Yeah. All right. Free and Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at Podfactory.org, thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of FreeAs and Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 United States license. You can follow FreeAs and Freedom, Bradley, and Karen on Identica, and also read Bradley's and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the FreeAs and Freedom website, faith.us, that's fai us. We've got bars. So it's working out. All right.